0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, it is for you that we are here. It is for you. And yet you are the one who who fills us by your Spirit. Lord, you fill us. And now, Lord, we ask that we be humbled. God, let us hear the truth. Of your word. God do a work in our our soul this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't become a parent yet, you don't know what it's like to be to have your life turned upside down. Right? Somebody said Amen already. From those first few nights when uh, sleep is is maybe not happening. To not being able to run out together with your spouse to get something from the store. Somebody's got to stay home. Or you have to bring somebody with you. As children grow, things just change, right? You don't ever stop feeding them. All day. (laughs) Parenting transforms your life. Becoming a parent makes you think differently. It makes you act differently. It makes you pray differently. It is a it's a wrecking ball that tears down much of what you have established in your life. In order for you to build up something new, and please do not hear me in in a negative light, portray parenting, because in in a thousand chances I would do it again. There is a richness and a joy that comes from it. But it is a transforming moment. You have been transformed, Izzy. You have given yourself into the kingdom of God. You have new rule and new authority over you now. And you have willfully brought yourself into this new and authority over you. Right? You have chosen this path. You have said, I recognize who I am, that I am a sinner in need of God's grace. And you have said, I choose to walk forward in a different way. And as you have portrayed to us this morning, the old Izzy is dead and the new is alive. And the new Izzy is different than the old Izzy. Your spirit has been made new. Your mind is being transformed and conformed. You're not a parent yet, right? Right. But you are in Christ. And that transformation is even greater than the one that you may experience one day by being a mother. This morning we look at a a biblical theme. And, and I'm going to do my best to explain what this is and then give you a, a story to explain it. And, and I think and I, and I hope we will enjoy this together this morning. The theme is something that we talk about every week in this church. And I have given permission to my Sunday school class that if I don't talk about this. That they can stop you on the way out and talk about it. And the theme is repentance. Repentance. And sometimes maybe we, we use, by we I mean I, oftentimes, use that word, but don't explain it very well. And so if you are not familiar with what repentance is, today is your day. And I'm glad that you're here. Because I would like to explain what repentance is and then give you a, an example, a biblical example of that. So I'm going to start with, um, with a definition because it's always helpful to start with definitions and then we'll work out from there. Sound good? All right. Repentance. This is from the New Bible Dictionary. The New Bible Dictionary. In the Bible, this always means something deeper than regret for sin or a resolution to do better it is so he starts the definition it's it's more than just feeling bad or being regretful it is a change of mind and a complete turning to god repentance is a changing of your thoughts and your your affirmations and a turning to god Made possible only by him, which must be sincere and show itself in appropriate action. That's a mouthful. I'm going to read it one more time. In the Bible, repentance means something much deeper than just regret for sin or a resolution to do better. It is a changing of the mind. And a complete turning to God made possible only by him, which must be sincere and show itself in appropriate actions. All right. So repentance, then, in my words, is when your mind changes of what you believe to be right and good, and then you act upon that. So you've given us a good example, Izzy. In conversations with you, and I know Pastor Stephen as well, and with Miss Flita, such a great, great conversation. Great grandmother, repentance is. I I I think I'm. I, I need to have something different because I'm not adequate like I am. I am deficient. I need something from God to be right in His sight, and and that is I need Jesus Christ. To pay for my sin. And because I I know that I need to be right in God's eyes and I need Jesus Christ to make me right in God's eyes. I have to live differently because Jesus does not accept me to just stay in a sinful state. He calls me to follow him. Make sense? Repentance. My mind changes, therefore my direction changes and then my actions are going to change to follow up with that. Make sense? Sounds like I see a lot of heads. So we're going to move forward. That is repentance. Change of mind. Change of actions. Second Kings, if you will. If you have your Bible. Second Kings chapter 22. We're going to get through as much of this as we can in the time that I have. Second Kings 22. Josiah reigns in Judah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight, you read that right? Eight years old when he reigned. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He died at what age? 39. Young guy. There's one king that was younger than Josiah. And I know some of the kids know. What was his name? It starts with a Joe and it ends with an Ash. Joe Ash began to reign at seven. But he was the second youngest king to begin to reign. His mother name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah, of Baskoth. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Did you hear that? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the way, in all the way, of, his, of David, his father. And he did not turn aside from the right or to the left. This is a guy who followed God. There aren't many, y'all, so to be happy that here's one that's following God. He's not turning to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, so how old was he? He started at eight? 26, right? So in the, tw- in the 18th year of King Josiah's reign, the king of Shaphan, the secretary, the son of Azaliah, son of Mashulam, the secretary, so just, that's a lot of words, this guy named Shaphan, he is going to be the one you need to, to keep your eye on. He is the secretary or the assistant to, uh, to King Josiah. So Josiah tells Shaphan, go to the house of the Lord at the end of verse 3. Verse 4, go up to Hilkiah. This is another major player today. Hilkiah is the high priest. So you've got Shaphan and Hilkiah. Those are all, the only names you probably need to know today. Go to the high priest, Hilkiah, that he may count the money that's been brought into the house of the Lord. People bring money to donate to the Lord. Hilkiah is going to count it as the high priest, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And let them give it to the workmen. Who are at the house of the Lord repairing the house. So what's happening is there's a repair job going on. And there's money being collected. And Josiah wants the workmen who are fixing and repairing the house of the Lord. To get this money. And he's, he gives a description. That is carpenters, builders, masons. And watch this. And let them use it for buying timber, cordstone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered to their hand, for they deal what? Honestly. All right. So here's the setup for the story. The house of the Lord is in need of repair. Well, the question should be asked, why? Why is the house of the Lord in need of repair? Because the kings before Josiah were not godly kings. In fact, they robbed things from the house of God. They set up other idols in the house of God. They let the house of God go into complete disrepair. And so when Josiah shows up, he, he's looking and he says, we need to get, get this house in repair. I have a heart for God. We need to repair this house. Now, this is interesting because we're going to find out something later in the story. That's a, a, a crazy thing that happens. But in some way, Josiah believes in God and he says, I want to honor him. Let's fix his house. Let's get this money to the repairman, to the workmen, Because, and this is in that last verse, this is a shot against the priest. Because you know whose job it was to upkeep the, the house of the Lord? It was the priest's job. But they weren't doing it. And so he had separate workmen and had to give money to them to do it. All right. Let me make this statement before we go to verse eight. Josiah was in a godless country where they were living by form but not by faith. Say so it again. They were in a godless country living by form and not by faith. They had a temple, they knew what it was, but they didn't believe in what the temple represented. So can I ask you a question? Where is your faith? Is it it a faith that believes in form? Or is it a faith that believes in the substance in which the form is representing? I hope that question makes sense. Do you believe in the structure of church? And that's why you're here today. Or do you believe in the Jesus Christ Lord of the church? And that's why you're here today. It's a question I think everybody needs to ask themselves. It's all about to change. Watch this. If you've never read this story, it's fascinating. Verse 8, and Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king, and and he reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and delivered it into the hands of the workmen, like you said, who have oversight of the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan, the secretary, called the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, that's an interesting response uh, to tear your clothes when you hear something read to you. If I had to guess, nobody in this room has ever done that. Tore your clothes when, when you found something or heard a book read to you, right? Well, why does he do that? And this is, now, this is, there's meaning behind this. Now, uh, how many of y'all have heard of a guy named Job? Job in the Bible. Anybody? All right. Job, in Job chapter one, Job did the same thing. Job chapter one, verse 20, it says, then Job arose and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and he worshiped. This was after all of his children were killed. And all of his possessions were lost. Job had a bad day. And his response to that was great grief. And he tore his robe and he mourned for days. He mourned. And a sign of that in this culture was to tear your robe as a sign of mourning. So we fast forward back to Josiah. Here's the question. Why did Josiah tear his robe? He's mourning. Okay, easy answer, right? That's the standard of this culture. Why is he mourning? Why is he sad? Isn't Josiah doing a good thing? Isn't he helping the repair the house of the Lord? You see, the book of the law communicated God's word and God's will. And when Josiah heard God's word and God's will, he recognized, like you did, Izzy, that he was deficient. And that under God's word, he was not able to stand. That it was something that made him grieve to his core, to the fact that he, the king, mind you, tore his robe in mourning. The Lord changed his heart by the power of the word of God. Let's keep going. Verse 12. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Achbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Asaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord. For me and for the people and for Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. All right, so he gathers a group of people and of priests and and important people. He says, go ask the Lord what all this means. I am grieved to my core. I've seen that there is so much that I haven't done, that we haven't done, that all of our people haven't done, that's been commanded by God, and we are not doing those things. We have been disobedient to what God has told us to do. Watch this. Watch what he says. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Josiah recognized that God had made commands. He had set a standard and that he was deficient in every single way. There are commands. One of those, for instance, is is the Passover feast. Recognizing that. Haven't done it. There are a myriad of others. Let me ask you a question. Have you read God's word? And and I'm not talking about have you heard a a preacher preach it. That's good. And I'm I'm glad you're hearing a preacher preach it. But have you read God's word? Like Taken the Bible out. Open to the book of Luke. And started reading. When you get to what Rick read this morning. Wherever you are Rick. He read a passage that Jesus says, unless you what? Repent, you will perish. You get to that and you go, oh my. Unless I repent, I will perish. This is, this is not good. I don't want to perish. You get to passages and you walk through the Bible and it, and it hits you. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage each of you to to get your Bible, open it or turn it on, and start reading what the Bible says. And a great place to start would be the the book of Luke, or you can read the book of Ephesians. There's so many good books. Let me know if if, if you want to start reading it. I'll tell you. You can pick up in our reading plan if you like Reading the Bible brings us to a place that gives us light that we have never seen before. And it opens us up and shows us light. And when that that light turns on, it exposes things that you may have never seen before. Um, Years ago, uh, there, there was a person that was selling a rainbow vacuum. If you know, anybody know what a rainbow vacuum is? It's that fancy vacuum. Yep. Yeah? And this salesperson came and, and they took one of our couch cushions. And I said, let me show you something. They put this couch cushion and they started running this rainbow vacuum over this couch cushion. And, and, and then they showed us what was in our couch cushion. And we were, yeah, y'all don't be judging because yours looked the same. I'm just going <laughs> to tell y'all. <laughs> well, maybe not. we got four boys in the house. So. But uh, y'all are nasty too. There was nasty stuff in our couch cushion. We had no idea. No idea. The word of God does this to us. It brings a light and you go, oh my, I have lusting problems. I have greed problems. I have pride problems. I have mouth problems. I've got anger issues. All of the deficiencies that, as you read through the Bible and say, oh, I'm more concerned about me than I am anybody else. Why is that? That's not what the Lord wants. And this is where Josiah was. He came and he, he, uh, I've got to talk to, I want to hear from God. I am broken over this. One thought here. Watch this. Notice that Josiah, after being broken by the word of God, he does not run from God. Where does he run? He runs to God. Notice that, y'all. Many people, when they hear the word of God proclaimed, they turn and say, I don't like this. And they run from God. But Josiah, we see the spirit of God working in him. He runs back to God and he says, I need more of God. And so go inquire. I need more of God. Like David in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Let's go on to verse 14. We've got to get moving in our story here. So Hilkiah, the high priest... And Ahikam, Akbar, Shafan, Asahiah, Huldah, uh, went to Huldah. All right, there's, I lied to you. Hulda is the other name you need to know. Huldah is a prophetess. Huldah is the prophetess, and they go to this prophetess, Huldah, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, son of Hars, keeper of the wardrobe. Now, she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they talked with and she said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, behold. And here, here's the word from God. I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the words of the book that the king of Judah has read Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place. It will not be quenched. God has spoken and said that his judgment will come. And that his judgment is upon the nation of Judah. Is that a hard thought that God brings judgment against people? It's a difficult thing to think through, isn't it? God is a God who judges and brings eternal damnation to those who are not in Christ. We sang in our song this morning that we were hell bound. What the Bible teaches is those who are not in Christ, those who have not, and I'm going to go back to our word, those who have not repented are doomed to suffer the consequences of God's judgment and wrath. This is one instance in which Judah receives that the New Testament under the new covenant is replete with commands to repent and be saved from the wrath of God. The Bible teaches in an eternal punishment called hell for those who do not and will not humble themselves as Izzy has done and enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are two paths in life, Jesus said. There is a difficult and hard but narrow way that leads to life. There is a broad, easy and well-trodden way that leads to death. Friends who are here this morning, if you do not know Jesus, this is nothing personal. But this is what the Bible teaches. That all liars, sorcerers, those who are immoral, those who are disrespectful, have their place in hell. But those who repent of those sins, turn and walk in a new direction and live in a new way because they've been changed, will receive life. Verse 18, but the Lord, but the king, but to the king, this is hold us still talking, but to the king of Judah, that's Josiah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So she's separated out. There's a message to Judah and there's a message to Josiah. You ready? Regarding the words you have heard, look at verse 19. I, it's small up there, y'all, but, but put on your, your glasses and squint if you must. This is so important. Because your heart was what? penitent. Now, that sounds like a, a word that we've talked about today, doesn't it? We talked about the word repent. This is the same root word. Because your heart was repentant or penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and you have wept before me. I also have heard you declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. So they bring these words to Josiah and he's got a choice to make. Oh, all is well then. Remember Hezekiah? We talked about him two weeks ago. Or maybe that was last week. Yeah, Hezekiah. Uh, hey, Hezekiah, you're, you're, it's not going to come in your lifetime, but your kids are going to have this destruction. And he's like, oh, great. Uh, Josiah doesn't respond like that in, in that destruction is still coming. A true repentance. We're going to see what Hezekiah does. It wasn't like, oh, good, Whew. Oh, that's, that's good. I'm good. I can just live like I was now. Because Josiah had true repentance. He had something that changed about his actions and his deeds. Now, this goes back to our definition. And we're about to see it. But repentance is not just feeling bad. He did the feel bad thing. Right? He tore his robe. He cried. He wept. He did the feel bad thing. But it didn't stop there. It, it changed Who he was, what he thought, and what he did. Josiah humbled himself. And Jesus, in fact, Jesus tells us that the entrance into the kingdom of God, the first of the Beatitudes, is what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You got it. That's the entrance, the humbling yourself, being poor in spirit, being humble. And this is exactly what Josiah did. Izzy, did you have to humble yourself when you became a Christian? I'm not, you mean I'm not going to dictate all of my decisions anymore? I'm going to humble myself to what the word of God says? Oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm having too much fun to become a Christian. Let's keep going in chapter 23. Let's watch how Josiah changes. Then the king sent and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. I'm just going to read. Y'all hear what he's doing. Y'all just listen, if you will. And the king went up to the house of the Lord. And with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And the priests and the prophets. All the people, both great and small. And he read to them. And he read in the hearing of all the words of the book of the covenant that God had found in the house of the Lord. A truly repentant heart wants others to hear the word of God. Got it? If you truly love God, you want to share the word of God. It's something that you've got to get out. Number one. Keep reading. Verse three. And the king stood by the pillar. And made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul to perform the works of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people joined in the covenant. Not only does, he, does the, the, the man the repentant man want to proclaim the word of God, he wants to commit to the word of God. When you become a Christian, you want to proclaim the truth and you want to say, and I'm committing myself to this. That's the natural response of someone who wants to be a follower in the kingdom of God. It doesn't stop there. But wait, there's more. Verse four. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest and the priest of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring Out of the temple all the vessels that were made for false god Baal and false god Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven. Bring out all of those false idols and all of their stuff. Bring it out of the house of the Lord. And what does he do with them? He burns those suckers. He burned them outside of Jerusalem in the field of Kidron and he carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposited the priests of whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings. I'm sorry. And he deposed. He sent them away. You are unfaithful, you priest. Get out. The kings of Judah and ordained who had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah. All the false priests. Get out of here. Those who burned incense to Baal. Get out of here. To the sun and to the moon and to the constellations and all the hosts of heaven. Get out of here. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron, and he did what? He burned it at the brook Kidron, and he beat it to dust and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. Get out of here! He broke down the house of the male cult prostitutes who were in the houses of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the Asherah. False God. False God. And he brought all the priests of the city of Judah. And he defiled all the high places where the priests had made offerings. He defiled them. He made a mess of them. And from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places and the gates that were in the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city. Josiah is bringing it. Not only has he repented of his own sin. Not only has he drawn near to God and, and asked to, to not go away from God, but to, to learn more from God. Not only has he communicated the word of God to the people around him. Not only has he made a covenant with God to be obedient to what God has called him to do. He is taking every bit of temptation and idolatry out of the, the, his scope of influence, burning it, defiling it, deposing it, and throwing it to the wind. This is repentance. So friend, I must ask you. Have you repented of your sin? And giving yourself to the Lord, our God. Have you changed your mind in such a way where the things of the world The godless things, the sinful practices are not desirable to you anymore in the sense that pleasing God is. This is a battle that all of us go through. And how do you know? The Bible says God grants a spirit of repentance. If if you are feeling a call to follow Jesus, if you are feeling a desire to know him, then maybe today is your day to respond to that and say, yes, I need to, I'm a wreck. I'm a wretch. And I need God's amazing grace. I need to be saved today. The Bible says Jesus saves sinners that repent. He doesn't save every sinner. He saves those who repent before him. Those who are the poor in spirit. The Bible says repent of your sins and be baptized. Is it you set an example for a lot of people today? Your baptism. You set an example of what repentance is. I close with this. Not only does Josiah do all of those things, but he calls them back to the Passover. And in verse 21, he says this, and the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. Now, let me tell you about this Passover. If you're not familiar with the Passover, the Passover was probably the um, most recognizable feast that they have. And it was a, a sign of God delivering and redeeming his children out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, and bringing them to a land of milk and honey, a land of life. And if you're not familiar with it, this is when the ten plagues came and God continually poured down his wrath upon a people and upon a Pharaoh until he let them go that they might worship God. And the Passover was that, that feast that remembered that the wrath of God was absorbed by a lamb that was presented and sacrificed. And the blood was placed on the, the lentils and the doorposts. This feast, Josiah said, we must keep it. This is God's wrath being satisfied, being satiated in something else. And this is what has happened to me. I am not going to bear the wrath of God. That's what Hulda told him. And so I think this is why he wanted the Passover to be kept. God's wrath has been absorbed in another. And I have been forgiven. Church. Friends. Jesus Christ has absorbed the wrath of God for us. Come on, church. Jesus Christ has absorbed the wrath for us. May we never forget to celebrate the great Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lord. It ought to be something that is burned in our desires to say, Jesus, I want to honor you. I want to worship you. I want to be in church every Sunday. I want to be in church. I want to honor you, Jesus Christ, my Lord. You have taken the burden upon yourself. And now I am free. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Church, let me tell you one more time. Jesus saves sinners that repent. Have you repented of your sin? May today be the day of salvation for some of you today. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we love you. We are so grateful for your word. Draw, Lord, draw people unto salvation. And Lord, give us great worship. You have given us great hope. As believers in this room, Lord, let us walk continually, confessing our sin and coming to you, that you can make us right. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.